Why don't you give her applause? Come on, do it. <laughs> With such a profound song, it's hard to know whether to you know applaud really loudly. It's just such a beautiful song. There is a you can hear the holiness in it. Oh, it's just, it's just enveloped in holiness. And the idea, <clears throat> the idea that um, it says, uh, Holy Spirit, you have chosen me, or something like this, you have chosen me to bear your son, I think is how the phrase goes. And <clears throat> there is a Greek word for this, but I'm too old to remember it. <clears throat> about being a God-bearer, about being a God-bearer. And um, as Mary was chosen to birth this beautiful child, we are all chosen to birth goodness, right? We are all chosen to be the bearer of God, to be the bearer of this goodness. So thank you for that song this morning. So as I understand it, unity was founded by two mystics, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, right? Is that basically right? Yeah, it's close enough. The, the Fillmores were, 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 were part of this founding of unity. And they believed strongly in two ideas, prayer and healing. They didn't care when they were first starting off. They didn't care much if you were a, a Presbyterian or a Congregationalist or a Baptist or a Unitarian or whatever. Methodist, if you wanted to engage the Bible in a metaphysical way, seeing what was in that sacred scripture that might help you on your spiritual path, you were welcome. And as these things happened, pretty soon a movement started and churches were founded and spiritual communities were gathered and they gathered under the unity name and here we are now. Healing and prayer are still foundational to what we do. And we still have this kind of ecumenical, interspiritual approach to our gatherings. And the Bible can still help us think through what is happening in our lives. And I've learned this week, as I thought about the, the phrase hope, which is, our, which is our theme for today... I've learned that the Fillmore's favorite Bible verse, basically, was Christ within you, the hope of glory. Christ within you, the hope of glory. Indeed, Fillmore said that phrase was the most powerful phrase in the world. So let's explore this a little bit. So Christ is the embodiment of all divine ideas. Intelligence, life, love, substance, strength. All these beautiful things. Sometimes I call that the goodness at the heart of all creation. Christ is the true spiritual higher self within every individual. So just as Jesus had this Christ within him, so we do as well. We need to claim our sonship. We need to claim our daughtership. We need to, to, to claim our divine origin and birth. And by continuously 
aligning ourselves with divine thought, by our aligning ourselves with the highest good in word and thought and deed, we manifest our son of godness. We manifest our daughter of godness, our status as the beloved of God. Christ within you, within you, you, not, not, not them, not me, not some special person who floats around like, oh, look how holy I am. No. You, with all of your stuff. I, by the way, can I just say, this is my favorite time of year to speak at Unity. I speak like once a month or something. Because half of you are stuffed animals. I just love... I, there it is. Lift up your stuffed animal. I mean, lift them up. The stuffed animals are always giving me amens. I love it. <clears throat> Christ was in you, hope of glory. So we're always talking about how we are God-expressing. We're the divine idea. And I just want to take a moment this morning to take one step back from that. If we find ourselves this morning wrecked with guilt, wrecked with regret, wrecked with resentment or shame or pain or hopelessness, it's hard to think of ourselves as God-expressing. So I want to take one step back from this idea of that we are God-expressing, and I want, to, I want to just focus on Christ within you, hope of glory. Christ within you looks a bit like this, I think. Whatever the regrets, whatever the shame, whatever the pain, whatever the feeling of rejection, the reality of God's love is greater than that. The reality of God's mercy is greater than that. The reality of God's unity with you is greater than that. And an image that I really like that I learned recently is if you picture the strongest, widest waterfall imaginable, this waterfall is God's love and God's mercy bigger than your regrets, bigger than your sense of rejection, bigger than your pain, bigger than your shame. And it's always available to dip our cup into and take and drink. So this morning, I want to give you four words to help you imagine and embody this Christ within you. We've already heard one of the words this morning in this beautiful song that Connie sang. Chosen. The first word this morning that I give to you to imagine the Christ within you is chosen. You are chosen. You are loved. You are known. Your uniqueness is celebrated by God from before time began until forever, without end. And when you feel deep in your bones, deep in your heart, the love of that chosenness, 
you will begin to feel the holy within you, hope of glory. The divine within you, hope of glory. The Christ within you. When you begin to feel that, not just in your brain, but in your heart, you will know something else about this idea of chosenness. Everyone else is chosen, too. Sometimes when we get religious, unfortunately, we believe that we are chosen and all those other people are not. (laughs) Those poor, pitiful souls. Right? But when we feel deep in our bones our chosenness, our love of God that asks us to birth into the world goodness, we see that everybody else is chosen as well. Love as I have loved you. And in that love, we will have a home. We will have a sense of rootedness and groundedness. And when we encounter another, whether we particularly like them or not, whether we agree with them or not, we will call one another back to that divine love. We will call one another. And the gift of the other person is that they will call us back to that love as well. Chosen. So this Christ within you, this holiness within you, this divinity within you, one way to see it is to realize that you are chosen. The second way is blessed. Blessed. The holy is whispering good things to you, blessing you every day. Last night, a family asked me to bless their loved one, their father, who was in the hospital and wrecked with pain. He was moaning. The pain medicines just wouldn't touch his pain. And as we gathered around... We held hands and we put our hands on that person's forehead and that person's shoulders and we let the silence and the love in that room communicate deep blessing. There were no magic words, just that presence of blessing. And the words that did come were less important than the holding of hands and the being there together. Every day, that silence and the holding of hands holds you in blessing. You are blessed. Henry Nouwen tells a story about living in a community of folks who were severely disabled. He was the priest. And there was a young woman named Julie. And he was giving a service. He was doing a communion service with them one day. The whole community had gathered. And Julie asked for a blessing in the middle of the service. I need a blessing. And Henry said, as a good priest, as a good Catholic priest, I said, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
And Julie said, that will not do. That will not do. (laughs) So the service ended. And Henry said, Julie needs a blessing. And so he said, Julie, come forward. And Julie came forward and he wrapped his arms around her. And he said, Julie, you are a beautiful woman. Everyone in this community loves you. God loves you. And you are loved and beautiful beyond any imagining. And she says, I know. <laughs> and she went back to her, her, her seat. And everybody else was like, I want a blessing too. So one by one, they come up. And Henry gives them this hug. Big bear hug. Imagine it in your mind. Big somebody saying to you, you are beautiful and you are loved. That's the kind of blessing we're talking about. And Henry says there's a big assistant there helping out for a semester. Big Notre Dame football player type. And he says, what about me? He came down. Same blessing. Blessed. Chosen, blessed. Christ within you. Chosen, blessed. Another word, broken. All of us have known rejection. We have known heartache. We have known fear. We have known disappointment. We have known loneliness. This brokenness, which we must go through and not avoid not push aside, gives us the capacity to connect, to have empathy for another, to have compassion for ourselves and one another. And the trick, the trick here, is to place that brokenness, that feeling of rejection, under the blessing that we just discussed. Often, When we feel that rejection, when we feel that loneliness, when we feel that fear, we place it under a curse. I'm no good. I'm not good enough. Look, look, I deserved whatever that was. I deserve that. No, you place it under the blessing. The way of the Christ within us, the God within us, the goddess within us, the way of the holy within us is to put that brokenness under the blessing. The last word given. Chosen, blessed, broken, and given. We have so many days on this planet. Some will be given 20 years, some will be given 40, some will be given 80. Maybe you'll be given 100 Who knows? Whatever it is, life is relatively short in the grand scheme of things. And we are given. We are given to our friends. We are given to our family. We are given to the world and the planet. We are a gift. A gift to others. And when we come to see the holy within us, the goddess within us, the divinity within us, the God within us, the Christ within us, we begin to live our lives as blessing. We begin to live our lives as a gift. We begin to see the preciousness of ourselves and the miracle 
of this place. Christ within us. Hope of glory. Sometimes those regrets, sometimes those resentments, sometimes those fears, those rejections, they, they, they get bottled up in us. They get bottled up in us. And we forget, we forget the hope and the divinity within us. Long ago, when the world was so brand new that there was still a bit of sheen on it, the gods looked down at earth. Suddenly they realized they had made a terrible mistake. The gods themselves were wildly diverse. Some were tall and thin, others were short and wide, some had hair that was blonde and curly, others had dark and straight hair. More dramatically, some were male and some were female and some were a bit of both. Yet when the gods had fashioned humans, they made only a single gender, only men. How boring was that? What, right? Amen. What about their own sister Aphrodite? They had forgotten to make a single human modeled on her feminine qualities. How could they have made a mistake like that? So the gods got to work carefully modeling and shaping the clay to look just like Aphrodite. They fussed and they worried. They wanted their new creation to be beautiful and good. They wanted her to be lovely and kind. When they were finally finished making this first woman, she was gorgeous. When they breathed life into her, she was filled with goodness. They called her Pandora and gave her a special and challenging job. Keep guard over everything that was her opposite. Keep all that was not beautiful and good, lovely and kind from tainting the world. They took hatred and anger and greed and jealousy, despair, sorrow, suffering, pain, illness, all that was evil and plunged it into a big, beautifully decorated urn. They put a tight cork on the top, sealed it with wax, gave it to Pandora and said, do not open this. And they sent her to live in the lower realms where all the humans dwelled and they rubbed their hands together in satisfaction. All was well. Pandora would keep the lid on the evils of the world. The gods could relax. Pandora placed the lovely urn in a corner of her room. For a while, she was so busy getting used to being alive that she forgot all about it. But now and then, her eyes would drift over to the corner. She would wonder, what's inside that urn? And what would happen if she opened it? If you'd been given a gift and told not to open it, wouldn't you be curious? Opening it just a crack surely wouldn't hurt. She should do it. What do you think? Yes? No? And one day she thought, why not? And she opened it just a little bit. Immediately it was too late. The deed was done. Out flew darkness and fear, jealousy and anger, greed and hatred. All the evils flew out into the world. She tried to catch them and put them back into the urn. They moved with such force that Bandora could barely press the lid back down. It was impossible. It was hopeless. Or so it seemed at first. But as she sat there wondering what to do, she heard something tinkling inside the urn. Something that had not escaped. The sound was gentle. What was it? What could it be? 
Panda Aura opened the urn just a crack more, and what she saw put a smile on her face. What'd she see? Hope. hope. A glimmer of hope. She opened the lid a little wider. Hope flew up and out into the world and spread its bright light everywhere. Surely, if hope can survive in an urn filled with all the evils in the world, then there is a reason for all of us to feel hopeful. Surely, if God's mercy and the chosenness and the Christ within us can survive all of our regrets and all of our rejections and all of our loneliness, the Christ within us can rise up like hope in the story.